Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hello, everyone. My name is Kelsey Ernst. I am a PGY2 ambulatory care pharmacy resident with Michigan Medicine. My interests are in ambulatory care, community pharmacy, and academia, and I will be your host for today's episode. With me today are Melissa D. Curtis, compounding pharmacist in charge with Diamond Pharmacy Services, with an interest in sterile and non-sterile compounding and USP 800. Next, we have Irini Victor, an ambulatory care pharmacist with Kaiser Permanente MAS, with an interest in ambulatory care and community pharmacy. And finally, we have Anna Miladinovich, pharmacist with the Stanford Children's Hospital Outpatient Specialty Pharmacy, with an interest in specialty pharmacy, ambulatory care, and pharmacy education and training. Thank you for joining us today, Melissa, Irini, and Anna. Let's get started talking about today's topic, stress and burnout in community pharmacy. Thank you, Kelsey. How would you define burnout and stress? What is the difference between the two? Yeah, this is a great question to start off today's discussion. Burnout and stress are two buzzwords that commonly go hand in hand, especially when talking about the workplace. Stress is defined by the World Health Organization as physical, emotional, or psychological strain brought on by changes or situations. Burnout, on the other hand, is defined in ICD-11 as a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress, which leads to feelings of exhaustion, negativity, and apathy related to one's work, as well as worsened work performance. While stress and burnout may sound similar and are certainly interrelated, there are some subtle differences. While many, if not all of us, are familiar with the feelings of acute stress, for example, during a busy day in the pharmacy or as an impending project deadline approaches, this does not always equate with burnout. Symptoms such as low work engagement and feeling detached, purposeless, and disinterested in one's job may point more towards burnout rather than stress. If an individual is under chronic stress, this can develop into burnout. Whether stress develops into burnout or not depends on the individual's coping mechanisms as well as the support and relief they receive for workplace stress. Individuals may experience a particularly stressful period of time within their occupation with related discomfort and anxiety. However, this does not always lead to burnout with its mental, emotional, and physical exhaustion, diminishing effectiveness, and apathy or negativity. For example, if a pharmacy is short-staffed for a week due to illness, this might generate stress amongst staff. If a pharmacy is short-staffed for months upon months, though, staff may become so overwhelmed and discouraged that they experience burnout. Now that we've introduced burnout and differentiated it from stress, let's explore more potential causes. This question here is for Anna and Irini. What are some examples of situations that lead to stress and burnout in general? What are some of the leading sources of burnout for pharmacists and pharmacy technicians? Thank you, Kelsey, for the question. Well, often these high-stress situations are the result of a lack of resources and adequate staffing. So many of us had to work alone at least once, if not often, and take on all the daily operations in what is, in general, a very complicated and highly regulated environment. We all know that from the moment we show up to work to the moment we close the gates, So many tasks have to be completed that have to be compliant with different laws and regulations. And above all, we have to have the patient's safety and well-being as a paramount in everything we do. So if these situations of working alone or short-staffed happen often, 
It leads to high stress and anxiety and eventually to burnout, like you said. Just to explain, examples of lack of resources can be even the lack of appropriate space in the pharmacy for many tasks or just to take the appropriate rest time and separate from stressful situations. Thank you, Anna. Another cause of burnout is the overly repetitive nature of one's day-to-day work tasks in the pharmacy. There are many pharmacists and technicians whom I have worked with who want to change the profession altogether because of the reasons mentioned above and also because of working in an organization that does not offer growth opportunities or challenges to its employees. I can share that when I started in my organization more than like 18, 19 years ago, pharmacists were assigned different tasks throughout the week. For example, they would be working in the anticoagulation clinic for one day or primary care clinic, and other days they would be in the outpatient pharmacy. Over the years, the organization restructured its clinics and they all became separate entities, having their own specialized pharmacists and technicians which prevented the pharmacists from practicing different skills and working to the top of their license. Melissa will touch on what organizations can do to help with this issue later in our discussion. Now I transition into our next question to Kelsey. So Kelsey, there are moments that happen in pharmacy when there is so much demand for answering questions and doing tasks that could be overwhelming and stressful to some. How do you suggest a good coping technique to handle those situations? Thank you, Irvini. I have several strategies that I use myself for managing stress when things become hectic in the pharmacy. First off, I like to triage. I decide whether each task I am confronted with needs to be completed immediately or can wait. I make use of notes and calendar reminders to ensure I follow up on items that were postponed in the moment and keep my problem prescriptions organized in my workplace so I can address them when I have the time. Next, I like to use delegating. This was certainly challenging for me as a newer pharmacist, and it took me a while to become confident with this skill. But now that I know my team, I feel comfortable redirecting questions, requests, or tasks to other members of the team if I do not have the time to step away from what I am doing or see that someone else may be able to help. Finally, I like to set boundaries. Physically, I protect my workspace and try to keep it uncluttered so I feel like I have the physical space to work. Mentally, I try to devote my attention to the task at hand. If an interruption is not urgent, I finish the immediate task I am working on or work until a good stopping point. I also like to use simple tasks that need to be done, such as folding hard copy prescriptions or stacking empty baskets between orders to help to clear my mind before moving on to the next patient or task. This is what I like to refer to as my workplace palate cleanser. These are some of my go-to strategies, but we all have different ways of coping with stress in the pharmacy. Next, I'm going to ask a question to Anna about some of her experiences. In your pharmacy practice, can you give personal examples of a stressful situation that you were able to handle positively and not let it get to you? Yes, Kelsey, thank you. As much as some of the stress and anxiety about the work can make us maybe more productive a little bit at the times or push one to complete the tasks we have been procrastinating, 
it may also cause a lot of damage if not managed or channeled properly. And I have been in many situations in my career that were quite challenging with high levels of stress, but probably the most common lately was working with not enough staff support. Community pharmacists have been increasingly tasked with more and more clinical work that require high level of care, like doing point of care testing for COVID and flu, providing vaccinations and reviewing medications in the MTM sessions. But we were not given more support in hours or staff to help alleviate some of the more mundane tasks. In the most recent example, me and one of my most junior techs were working alone for that day with several sick calls. I learned over time that bonding and talking to your team is very important in just making them feel heard and understood. This also takes some burden off of you, so feeling responsible for some tasks and situations beyond your control. So this is what helped me handle things positively, regaining some control over the situation that I can somewhat control. After talking it over, my technician and I divided the tasks we knew we could safely complete to make the best for our patients. We enlisted some of the help from the other departments and staff to make calls to patients to move tasks we could move to other days. So we were candid about what we can or cannot do, both with ourselves and as with our patients and supervisors. My technician told me in the end that it helped tremendously knowing we both can rely on each other. So my point and advice is to be honest with yourself and your team and prioritize the things you can do safely. Keep your communication open and honest and do not undermine what your body is telling you about the stress and anxiety. So now that I've talked about some of my examples in stressful situations, I wanted to ask you, Melissa, how do we help staff form boundaries between work and home or achieve that work-life balance we talk about? Thank you, Anna. One way to set up boundaries is to limit time checking emails while not at work. Some positions may not allow a complete disconnect during off hours, but limits should be set on the frequency of checking emails and the time spent on work tasks while scheduled off. Making sure to have time off helps to refresh people's minds, bodies, and spirit. By taking necessary downtime, you can then better cope with stressors when you do return to work. While we are at work, make sure to take your lunch breaks, and if possible, try to leave your department when you eat. Even if you only step out of the department for 10 to 15 minutes, that can help re-energize you for the rest of the day. During your break, avoid using any devices, For example, your cell phone, even if you're just playing a game or completing personal tasks, this will help your eyes and mind reset and recharge. The same boundary setting and well-being strategies may not be best for all workers. However, there are many resources out there with helpful tips. The National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, otherwise known as NIOSH, provides a helpful resource on the CDC website with its Healthy Work Design and Well-Being Program. So this brings the next question, Melissa. So what can organizations do to help staff with stress and burnout? It's not solely up on us to kind of mitigate this. What can organizations do? Thank you, Anna. Worker well-being has become a topic that has reached national attention. NIOSH has developed a healthy worker work design and well-being program. One of the priorities of this program is to improve occupational safety and health through work design in the healthcare and social assistance sector. The program is especially looking to reduce the adverse stress-induced physical and mental health outcomes. Many state boards of pharmacies are now looking into how stress and burnout are affecting both individuals at the pharmacist and technician level and the pharmacy profession as a whole. Some boards of pharmacy have already passed mandatory breaks and time away from work, and many states are reviewing similar rules. States are also passing laws or rules against quotas. 
Different pharmacy associations are looking at the profession's well-being. For example, ASHP offers a well-being ambassador program. Multiple CEs are now available on this topic. As interest increases, there are more and more resources and information on different ways to deal with stressors and help both ourselves and others. You can check with your state boards of pharmacy websites to see what types of options are being reviewed and passed to prevent burnout and help reduce stress for our profession. We have lost many pharmacists and technicians due to the stress and burnout in the last couple of years, so interest in these topics has increased dramatically. Residency programs are now required to provide resources for assessing and supporting staff and resident well-being and resilience within their new standards. These resources can be found on the website wellbeing.ashp.org. Organizations can also help to prevent burnout from the repetitive nature of certain tasks by creating opportunities for growth and variety for their employees. By rotating duties, organizations can help alleviate burnout for employees facing the same task on a daily basis. By varying duties, employees are able to expand their knowledge and it can create more job satisfaction. Arani, I have a question for you. Can you give some examples of measures organizations can implement to help create a healthy work-life balance? Have you tried any tactics within your workplace, either big or small? Thank you, Melissa. Organizations are realizing that mental health and maintaining a healthy life-work balance is vital for retaining their pharmacy staff and keeping their patients safe. In my organization, staff members get an uninterrupted one-hour break. However, some of us have the option to divide their breaks into two short 15 minutes break and a half-hour break if they want to. Also, another area of healthy work-life balance is that there is no work taken home to complete and there is no check of emails or answering phone calls outside of the work hours. In the past, we had a team member who would be responsible for turning on some music in the middle of the day and dividing the staff into teams to do like one minute stretches or dances. Also once a month, we had a potluck that promoted healthy eating, like for example, meatless Mondays, where everyone would bring a dish of fruits, salads, and other meatless dishes. At one point, there was also a challenge of drinking enough water daily. For example, if you weigh 120 pounds, then you drink half of your body weight of water. So that would be about 60 ounces. So we would compete with each other who would be drinking like more water throughout the day and just stay healthy and hydrated. Staff appreciation was also a motivation for our employees. Once a month, someone would be appreciated for their great work, and his or her picture would be taken and posted with why they are being the employee of the month and gets a reward. Unfortunately, many of these practices fell off the cracks while the pharmacies were dealing with COVID. But slowly, things are starting to rise up to the horizon again. CVS announced all over the country that they would be closed for like half hour daily to give break times to their pharmacy teams. And that's a huge improvement for everyone. Amazing work done also by the state boards of California, Virginia, and Ohio to ban quotas from pharmacy practice. And that should be implemented in all the states to advocate for the professional pharmacy, that it is patient-centered and not profit-centered. This law, if passed in all the states, will improve patient experiences and outcomes and will ultimately reduce pharmacists' burnout and stress because of increased job satisfaction. In regards to repetitiveness of tasks, it is highly encouraged to delegate and rotate different tasks to staff on a regular basis. 
Not just that, but offer opportunities of growth for employees who strive to advance their clinical and leadership skills. It could be an engagement in a project where the employee will take ownership and accountability to complete knowing that there is growth. This is one simple example of preventing burnout when it comes to repetition. Just to summarize, staff members should find fun and healthy ways to make their day less stressful, and organizations should find different ways to recognize its employees on a regular basis. Thank you for those tips, Irini. It's really important to hear how people can fix the problem rather than just discussing burnout and stress and what a challenge it has been for us in pharmacy. And with that, that's all we have time for today. I want to thank Melissa, Irini, and Anna for joining us today to discuss burnout and stress in community pharmacy. If you haven't had the chance, I encourage you to visit ASHP's Community Pharmacy Resource Center for practice-specific content as well as wellbeing.ashp.org where you can learn more about ways to promote wellness and strategies to manage burnout. Thank you. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.